Yes, yes, yes. What's going on? Another episode of Dicey World, Dicey World Podcast. What's going on, everybody? Today for episode 10, we have a very special uh, guest for this episode. Um, he's a sports reporter, an NBA insider, a college basketball analyst and expert. You may have seen him or heard him on 92.9 The Game, CBS Sports, Sirius XM, Fox Sports, just to name a few. And most recently, uh, Dicey World was privileged enough to have him uh, write a, a great article to educate and inform us on this past draft, the 2023 NBA draft. Uh Proud to call him my homeboy, real special guy, my dog, college expert, college basketball expert, my main man, Deshaun Tate. Let's bring him in. Iron Mike. Yeah, there he is. D Tate, what's happening, baby? Listen, man, I appreciate you for having me, man. Look, it's it's uh it's always a, a privilege, honor to be able mm. to join you, you know, and talk some uh talk some basketball like we always do. And <laughs> I'm just ready to uh educate the people. You know, we 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 got, you know, deep minds and choir minds wanna know what's mm. going on in the world of basketball uh these days and I'm I'm looking forward to, you know, kind of breaking a lot of all this stuff down with you. I love that. I appreciate you, man. We're going to get right into it, man. Well, just before I do that, let me just show everybody your information, where they can catch you, man. Uh, let's see here. There you go. And I'm glad, you capitalized the, I'm glad you capitalized the <laughs> S, too, man. That's a lot of people's first mistake. <laughs> <laughs> That's crazy, man. All right, bro. So you wrote a blog for the DiceyWorld.com, man. You know, great reviews, bro. I sent it out, you know shared it to a couple people uh great reviews great feedback for your insight and so forth you called it the 2023 nba draft snoozers and it's so funny because one of the last lines you wrote on the article you said these are the fringe second round snoozers but to your credit though bro four out of five players you named were drafted and two were drafted in the first round so kudos to you bro no i appreciate it man i mean listen you know it's just trying to have an eye for this thing, man, and 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 just learning the the waves of how the draft typically goes. It's crazy when you start talking about NBA drafts because, you know, the, the league doesn't draft nearly as much based on who can come in and make immediate impacts. It's really right. about, you know, let's grab this guy, high potential, stash him away two, three, four, sometimes even five years and see mm -hmm. what he can be after that. Um, mm -hmm. you know, but I, I think that we are – there's so many different elements and layers to the onion when it comes to draft and just the NBA in general, just the way that the game is, you know, kind of trending in the direction towards international style of play. It's not just about the rugged, you know, physical play anymore. It's about the finesse and the long wings, the guys who could do, you know, multiple things and point guard, uh, point forwards and point centers now that we're seeing win MVPs and, you know, just all these different things, man. Seeing, you know, the average age of the NBA now, I feel like because of AU, all these guys, you know, playing together, knowing each other, seeing each other, you know, every single weekend on these AU summer shirts, summer circuits. 
um, you know, and, and just developing that bond, friendship, camaraderie, chemistry amongst one another. And just uh, maybe that's some different reasons. Uh, now I'm trying not to get too long winded, but some different reasons behind why I feel like we're seeing guys trying to help one another win championships these days than it is trying to prevent guys from winning championships. So um, we can go on and on and on about no, that that's a day long. That's a that's a great point you brought up. I was just going to ask you: Do you think that's hurting the brand of basketball with all this fraternizing and guys, you know, getting to know each other? Like, is that like dumbing down the competition between each other? It's like you want to take down this guy and rip his throat out, but nowadays these guys are discussing dinner plans and playing video games and everything. Is this like dumbing down the competition? You think? Yeah, exchanging uniforms and everything else <laughs> after the game, but right. Um. I don't know if I would use the term dumbing down the competition, but nonetheless, like it's, it's, it is that way to a degree. I mean, mm -hmm. it's, it's a lot of buddy ball and a lot of shaking hands and a lot of helping guys up off the floor. You're not seeing as much. And I don't care if this guy is my teammate, you know, in the NBA or not, but when we get to this Olympic style, I'm running through his chest. You're not <laughs> seeing that kind of stuff um, right. as much as, you know, you once were, and it's just a different, level a lot of people like to blame lebron or blame this guy blame that guy i'm not sure you can blame any one guy but um just the average age of the league is becoming younger and younger and it's appearing friendlier and friendlier and i think that's some of the reason behind why we're seeing you know the tables turn a little bit um between international and you know the play over here in the states when it comes to olympics and so forth you start looking at some of these guys on the international level obviously we're gonna get into the draft but you know, on the international level where you got guys like Luca and you got guys like, you know, Giannis and, and obviously Jokic and Embiid. I mean, these are all guys, we're talking about MVPs, uh, recent MVPs, um, you know, over the waters MVPs. Hmm. And sometimes seem like these guys are a little bit tougher than the big bad United States or what we used to be considered and the reputation that we used to have. So um, I think some of those things are some of the reasons behind why they're benefiting in today's league. No, that's a great point, man. You just dropped a lot of knowledge right there. Now, one of the players that, you know, had a lot of hoopla in those summer circuits in which you mentioned uh, was Imani Bates. I mean, he had so much hoopla going on back in the day in high school. If I'm not mistaken, wasn't he like a two-time national, maybe three-time national player of the year in high school coming out of Ypsilanti, Michigan? So, you know, he, was, he had a lot of hype. And, you know, he went to Memphis, things didn't really – uh, pan out the way he wanted to and he transferred to Memphis kind of like lost a lot a little momentum but he's the first player you named on the block uh, he was drafted uh, in the second round the 49th pick with the Cleveland Cavaliers and I just want to quote you you put his biggest question mark or the biggest question mark with perhaps the highest ceiling you said he has the highest ceiling wow why do, why do you say that I mean Imani just got a crazy skill set you know mm -hmm. I, I think that first of all, the NBA brand and style of play and just the just what it is in general and everything it stands for is something that was is more needed the professional side, even if it's not NBA. I think he's going to flourish a lot more than he is in college. And most people would probably mm -hmm. say, you know, well, that's not really saying very much considering what he didn't do on the collegiate level. But um, I just think that his style is a little bit more geared towards you know, how it's played on the on the NBA, you know, level, um, even more so just the fact, I mean, he's a dynamic scorer. And we can sit here and the elephant in the room is obvious, you know, the maturity and, 
you know, talking about, um, you know, the incident with, you know, the gun and this, that, and the third. And, you know, we can go back and forth on that all day, but I think it's between the ears for somebody like him landing in a spot like a Cleveland, um, maybe not the most ideal city for somebody like him, maybe not the most ideal team. I think it's great being under somebody like Donovan Mitchell, who's able to take him under his wing, show him the way, show him how to win and so forth. I mean, Donovan Mitchell is a winner, hasn't won a championship, but if I'm not mistaken, you know, prior to arriving in, in Cleveland, he's, you know, led the team, uh, led a team to, you know, the best record in the NBA for like two or three straight years. Um, ha- having all these other young guys on the team, I don't know how much that's going to help you, Monty, because I always kind of felt like he needed someone, you know, like some veteran leadership, more veteran leadership a- a- around him. Um, played a lot of daddy ball growing up and not really knowing how to play the game. You know, I say that, you know, it's not that he, can't play basketball, but just knowing how to play is something different. You can have all the talent in the world. And I'm rooting for him. I hope that he does well. I think that he will. Um, obviously, you know, that's that the rest is really going to be up to him. But um, we definitely wish him the best because I think we could be having conversations about Imani Bates, you know, in the next handful of years or so, being one of the best talents that we see in the NBA. Absolutely agree. And that you made a great point, too, just going back to the youth in the league. And Cleveland is pretty much young themselves. And you mentioned Donovan Mitchell, but he's still relatively young. He's, what, 24, 25, 26 years old. Do you see him, you know, taking Imani under his wing, being his vet? And if so, how do you see Imani fitting in with this team? I know you said maybe Cleveland isn't the best ideal location for him, but do you think he can – get some burn this year? Can he contribute? Like, how do you see him fitting in with this team? Maybe. I mean, not a lot. You know, I think you're going to have some instances where you're going to see some flashes. There's going to be some moments that is going to be like, you know, Bones Highland type, Mm -hmm. you know. But then there's going to be some moments where I can't think of the kid that was at, uh, at UConn and then left and now playing with the Charlotte Hornets. Kimba Walker? No. Um, a guy that was just recently drafted. Oh, okay. I can't think of his name right now, but um, where the expectations for him was high, but he just really didn't get off the bench very much. And all these guys are going to develop, you know, at their own pace. I mean, for example, I saw Cam Reddish here in Atlanta. They picked him up number 10. He got a big standing ovation, um, you know, picked in the lottery even more so over DeAndre Hunter, who's currently on the team. And clearly did a lot more to deserve his contract than Cam did. And Cam was let go after two years, barely even probably two, went on to New York and things wasn't working for him there. Now he finds himself a home in Portland and he's looking a lot better. But I think some of that is not just, you know, from a maturity standpoint, but also getting a chance to develop his game, learning how the NBA works because it is a business. Mm-hmm. Everybody wants to grow up and play this game professionally. We all think that it's amazing to be able to go play basketball, you know, to, as your job and do that every day for the rest of your life. And that sounds great until you have to un- or overstand the grind that comes with it and the business aspect that comes with it, you know, and the pressure and the temptations and the little bit of everything. And I think ultimately situations like that with Imani Bates is somewhere he's got to show that and prove, you know, that he has grown from his history. Wow, that's a great point, man. Absolutely. Now, you didn't, I don't think you mentioned it in the blog, but do you see like any like NBA comparisons to his game or like how do you see him, you know, shaping out in the league? Like, is there anybody that jumps out to you who you can like uh, comp him to? 
Um, not really. It's not that he has his own game. I think he got things in his bag that he hasn't shown, hasn't had a chance to show, had a chance to show, but made some poor mistakes to where he couldn't show it and just still didn't give himself a good opportunity to really get into the flow of his game based on all of those things. Mm-hmm. Um, things not working out everywhere that he's been pretty much for the most part. And even when he was in, you know, in, in, at Eastern Michigan, you know, that's that's his team and he's going to have the green light and do what he wants to do. But I don't think that's always the best situation mm-hmm. to learn basketball and learn how to be, you know, a basketball player and a basketball pro. Um, right. So as far as, you know, um, comparisons, I don't think I really can think of anyone right off the top right now just because you haven't had really the chance to see his game really grow or develop and see what it can turn into right. to be able to give that same comparison. So, of course, the, you know, most people are going to say, you know, Kevin Durant and they're looking at his size and they're looking at his ability to put the ball in the basket, amongst other things. I think when you watch him, you just naturally see him. Like, I'm not saying he's going to be him, nor mm-hmm. is he going to accomplish all the same things as him, but it reminds me of, of Trey. Jay never mm-hmm. wanted to be like number 30. He wanted to be like number 13, Steve Nash. But you can't help that when you see him, he looks like 30. It's kind of that same way with the playing style uh, uh, for Imani Bates in comparison to Kevin Durant. Um, but, you know, he's he's this phenomenal talent that got a lot of pressure on him. And he's had that ever since he was young. And obviously being on the cover of Sports Illustrated and everything else to be the next greatest, you know, mm-hmm. thing. And uh, I mean, he got he got his opportunity to prove it yet again. He just got to make sure that he's doing the right things to try to get out there and prove to everybody what type of basketball player he can be and what he really is. That's a fact. Wow. Kevin Durant. That's a high ceiling. I hope he's closer to Kevin Durant than Lenny Cook. That's an old school name right there. You know, he didn't really pan out, but he had a lot of hoopla coming out of high school as well. A partner of mine asked me to, like, give a. money base account and i kind of just threw this off the head i said sean livingston a little bit you know a little wiry dude kind of fast can handle maybe the jumpers isn't as good man but if he can you know strive to be like kevin durant that's saying a lot now the second player you had listed on your snoozers list um for the blog uh you wrote julian strother am i saying his name right julian strother yeah all right, first round pick, uh, 29th overall to the Indiana Pacers. Now, for Strother, you wrote, put him anywhere on the floor because he's a basketball player in the positionless era. Wow. And then you comment him to Draymond Green. That's interesting. Mm-hmm. Now, what about his game specifically do you see in him that compares him to Draymond Green? I think it's a mixture between he and Grant Williams for, for Boston. Um, when you start looking at the body type and you start looking at how nimble he is and, you know, he's just one of those guys that's kind of like a, you know, it reminds me of Charles Barkley where you look at some guys sometimes and it's like, you know, I mean, this dude, he, he a little chunky, he a little bit too slow, but these guys can move their weight around with some of the best of them. Now, he's not necessarily the, you know, the chunkiest guy in the world by by, by far, by any means, but um, the fact that he could just do so many things um, on the floor, maybe not anything great, but he could do a lot of things well when it comes to having that high IQ, much like Draymond, when it comes to being able to be a point forward, 
much mm-hmm. like Jamon, when it comes to being a leader, much like Jamon, when it comes to defense, much like Jamon, having a good balance between that and offense, much like Jamon. I mean, you know, these aren't necessarily guys that's going to score it in bunches, but they can defend guys that are bigger and smaller and the same size as them. So that's always going to be a plus whenever you can do that. So rebound the ball well. I mean, all of these things are solid things. Maybe not amazing. They don't do it amazingly. Um, but, you know, they're all things that I think can help contribute to not only any NBA team, but also contribute to adding a number to the left side of the result column. Straight dubs. And that's a fact, man. It's so funny. Uh, when you said Draymond Green, the first thing I thought of was like the intangibles, uh, toughness, basketball IQ, leadership, defensive presence. And you just named like all of those those qualities just right there. So that's good to hear. All right, moving on. Uh, Noah Clancy was picked in the first round, 21st by the Brooklyn Nets out of Alabama. For for clowning, you wrote, a true blue collar, bring your construction hard hat and lunch pail every night with no complaints kind of fella. And you come to him to, wow, Al Horford and Kavon Looney. Now, do we mean like, you know, old school Al Horford or the new Al Horford pulling from three? Does he have a little jumper in his game right now? Does he need, does he he need to develop does. that? Oh, he does? No, he de- He definitely got some of that. I mean, is he this knockdown shooter that you got to make sure if you don't do nothing else, you got to have a hand in on, in his face and on him? No, he's not that kind of shooter. But you remember that Al Horford didn't develop that outside game until later in his career. This is something that I think, number one, you didn't really have to be too concerned with at that point in time when Al Horford was coming out because that was not the same type of game that we see that it is now. That's something that, you know, Noah Clowney has been trained to develop and learn that he's going to have to, you know, have those things on the next level um, as the game has definitely evolved since then. Um, mm-hmm. you know, talking about the body type and the size. I mean, just just guys is just going to be a workhorse, a utility piece um, and going to play in this league for 20, you know, 20 years. Wow. Um, potentially, you know, just being just that guy. Another name to mention, like a Serge Ibaka, you know, that type of guy that you just know what you're getting every night. There ain't going to be no questions about it. He's going to be coachable. I mean, I've been Julian Straw. There was a guy that I had seen, you know, probably ever since he was about 16, 17 years old, um, mm. you know, and it, I very much so go that far back with. Noah Clowney, who played on, you know, here in one of the uh, on the circuit and for one of the better, you know, premier, um, you know, AAU programs, the Dickerson Celtics um, with a buddy of mine, uh, Demond Stevens, who does a great job, um, um, stepfather of Kobe Simmons and just a basketball purist and had the opportunity not long ago to uh, spend some time with, you know, Noah's dad at dinner with the team, parents and everything else to pick his brain a little bit to learn what kind of special kid he is. And I mean, you got to remember something, you know, we, I know there was a lot of hype at Alabama this year based around, you know, Brandon Miller, who was the number two pick and deservedly so. Um, But everything that was happening off the floor with, with, with him and the team. And, you know, I'm not saying that Noah Clowney was this, you know, verbal leadership guy, vocal leadership guy, but you always had to have that blue piece that when things maybe, you know, got under pressure, 
and guys was going to put a little bit more pressure on who, who, the, heck, who the hell is this Brandon Miller kid <laughs> he is, man. I'm about to go out there and shut him down. Or some of the other guys that played well at Alabama and got drafted as well. But you still had to add that piece that as everybody thought they were going to shut a guy down and they threw a jump shot up there and they missed. They get ready to try and go the other way with it, but Noah Clowney is the one coming through with the rebound for the putback, or Noah Clowney is the one that's bailing them out on certain possessions or with this guy or that guy not having a great game coming in and doing some of the dirty work. Um, so, you know, he's just somebody that I see that part of his game translating, and I don't think it's going to go anywhere anytime soon. Yeah, now, like, how do you see him fitting in with the Nets? Will he get some time? I mean, are there minutes available? Like, how do you see him fitting in with Brooklyn? I think there will be. You know, you put him with someone like a um, who's a kid that went to Georgia. I love the way he's just really just catapulted um, his game. Um, I can't think of the name right now, but um, you know, when when you got bigs up front, I know Dayron Sharp from North Carolina didn't really do as much on the NBA level. Like he was expected to. Nick Claxton is the name that I'm thinking of, by the way. But are you went to Georgia? You know, when you correct. Okay. Um, when you got guys like, you know, him who's just going to I mean, he does he does the dirty work. You know, he came in, he's young, he's gotta learn, but he's just steady growing. It might be at a snail's pace sometimes, you know, hmm. and, and and it might might be at a hare's pace sometimes, depending on what it is. But I think you can kind of see the kind of quality and value that you get from players like that and putting those two next to one another, especially with their youth, shot blocking ability, and just hustle points, doing all the little things, getting on the ground after loose balls and really going after the glass, coming down off of those rebounds, outlet passes, and running the floor like a deer or being the last guy back on the trail after the ball goes up and everybody's just kind of standing there looking for the ball, and then here comes these guys running back as a trailer and just flushing it down you know that's just that's just who these guys are they're workhorses and i think ultimately that's what you're going to see a really good combination in tandem i think they still got uh cam mm -hmm. uh there as well both cams i think mm -hmm. um and then you know obviously with um with um you know bridges there too i mean they got a really good young nucleus over there and I think that's something that ultimately is going to bode and being the best for them. Once you cleaned house, you don't have to worry about the Kevin Durant's and the James Harden's and the Kyrie Irving's and guys don't want to play and guys want to be traded. You got guys that just want to play uh, and want to learn. Um, mm -hmm. I think that's something that's going to help, you know, having all those guys, they're going to be able to develop a different type. You know, we see some of these young teams. We've seen mm -hmm. Cleveland a couple of years ago. I think Orlando is on their way, uh, up um you know okc another one of those young teams i think Houston, Detroit. surprise some, mm -hmm. surprise some people mm -hmm. um i would imagine at some point maybe not today maybe hmm. not tomorrow maybe not this week or next next week this month or next month but i think over time you know the, the brooklyn is going to be just fine now that they are kind of reshaping and molding the way that they want their team to be I agree with that, man. Like, to your point, they flushed out all the drama, all the Kyrie, KD, James Harden drama. They have a new team, new energy, new blood. You have young dogs who are willing to get in there and pr improve themselves and uh, earn their stripes, get a reputation. 
Uh, and anyway, if you can like rebound and have a great defensive effort and have a great motor, you're going to find some time in the NBA. That's what uh, coaches like to see from their players, no doubt. All right, man, let's go on to Keontae Johnson. Uh, second round pick, number 50, to the aforementioned OKC Thunder from KSU. Now, for him, you wrote he's a willing defender, add in versatile physical contact embrace, rebounding, and a solid score with a 40% three ball what's there not to love about that that sounds like a classic three and d in the nba it sounds like you can plug him in right now he might get some minutes like keegan murray or somebody like that man i, I like this pick what you think about uh this pick to okc keontae johnson i think it's good it kind of it kind of reminds me of um you know some of those instances where you can have somebody like a who's a guy that's been talked about over the last 24 hours hot on the market, like a Tobias Harris can play hmm. between the three and the four-ish type of player. Um, there was another guy that played for the Hawks a few quite a few years ago. Who was the dude Dice that had all the emoji tattoos on his body? Oh, uh, um, I know you're talking about. Yeah, light skin dude. Uh, crap, he yeah, played for I Philly too. Yeah, I think yeah, he went to Philly. I can't think of his. He did. I know. He played in Atlanta for a little while too. It's going to kill. It's going. My brain is right. All scramble right now. <laughs> but um, but he kind of reminds me of that mode. You know, a guy. It is it, when it's time to go small ball. You know, he can play the four. Um, but for the most part, I think he's a perfect three and D type of guy. He can shoot it a little bit from the outside. Amazing, no. But I don't think there's a guy who's being drafted in this year's draft who can shoot it amazing from three either, especially from long range on the mm -hmm. NBA side, um, whose name is not Grady Dick. But, hmm. um, you know, I, I, I do think that, um, you know, somebody like a Keontae Johnson is just – he's also going to be a worker. As you can tell, for the most part, those guys who I've mentioned, they're going to be workers. Yes. Um, they're going to be hustlers, and those are the guys that I like because I know that those are guys that can always stand out and going to make an impact on the NBA level. We already know the, about the Brandon Millers and Scoot and, you know, uh, you know, uh, Victor Wimbanyan. We know those guys. Mm -hmm. Who's gonna, Everybody's not going to be those guys. So who's the guys that are going to be willing to sacrifice their bodies and do the little things? Going to be able to provide some balance equally defensively and offensively. And when you look at that Kansas State team this year, a lot of people, you know, obviously talked about, um, you know, the point guard play and some of those little things, some of the flashy things, some of the, the shiny toys and the shiny objects. But nobody's going to talk about the dull toy that nobody hardly ever <laughs> plays with. But you better believe when that new toy breaks, and you, that old toy is still sitting there ready to be played with. It's still intact. It's, it, it looked like it had been through everything. I call it a Nokia phone. <laughs> Remember back in the day when you had the old Nokia phones? Yeah. I don't care what you did. Like, those boys <laughs> was always working. Like, you could be running from the laws, hopping fences, and fall out your pocket, fall in the concrete on the mud in a puddle. You picked that boy up and kept yeah. going, and it just always worked. It was scratched, screen was scratched up. You can barely read anything mm -hmm. on it, but it was working. Oh, reliable. You make a call. Mm -hmm. It was a bit, it was old faithful. Like that's what that's what he reminds me of. Okay. Like he's always gonna be, you know, maybe like a, a Jay Crowder or something mm. along those lines. You know, mm -hmm. somebody that's always gonna be solid. And just the story. I mean, we don't really have to go all into detail, but 
most people know about the situation and you know when he you know uh collapsed on the floor after yeah. Florida and then there was yeah. a big lawsuit situation mm -hmm. the way that he's come back i mean there's no question about who a comeback player of the year in college basketball is this guy has won you know sec championships and he has accolades on that uh maybe not change but he has accolades for sure in that conference got you know uh accolade, uh, accolades on the on the big 12 side as well those are two power six conferences and 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 making you know all conference for right. both of those conferences you got to right. be a hell of a ball player mcdonald's all american the whole nine mm -hmm. and he's strong you know mm -hmm. and um you know i just don't feel like you can go wrong with a player like him and, and indiana secretly had like a really good draft i can't really yeah. say as much on the balao Kulabali situation um but when you put you know somebody like a um i'm sorry not indiana uh, uh, okc when mm -hmm. you put somebody like a maybe not as much hunter tyson from clemson who was very underrated in college basketball this year but you take Derek lively who was one of the top players in high school coming out uh, and, and a, the defensive minded, you know, wingspan broomstick arms that he has kind of mm -hmm. reminded me of like a, a Willie Cauley Stein. You paired those guys mm -hmm. together, and I think they had themselves a damn good draft. That's a fact, man. And OKC, they're right there knocking on the doorstep, man. They were in the plan this uh, past season. Yeah. And you got to remember, and Chet Holmgren, and they getting Chet Holmgren. That's like a bonus pick, man. I mean, he didn't even play Chet. one minute last year. So I'm saying Chet. He might be yeah. he might be the the rookie of the year. Rookie I mean, shout year. like straight. I'm, I'm right there with you, DT. I mean, shout out to Wimby. We're gonna talk about him in a minute, man. But I'm really feeling Chet, man, for uh rookie of the year so far. And that name, I had to uh, redeem myself for Nick Claxton. I didn't say Claxton's name because I didn't know he went to Georgia. But uh, I think we we're talking about Mike Scott, right? For the Hawks with the emoji tattoos. Yeah, that was Mike mm -hmm. Scott. All right. Now the last player you listed. Now this is why this is why you weren't 100. percent But he did get signed to a two way uh, contract. Was Ricky Council? Uh, yeah, I think he got assigned to a two way contract from uh, the Philadelphia 76ers and the Delaware Blue Coats. And that's going to lead us to the undrafted players, man. Um, there were a couple of people that were not drafted. I was kind of surprised. I want to read a couple of names and just get your immediate reaction man i mean i think they did eventually sign like two-way contracts summer league contract and so forth man but i was very curious to why drew timmy out of gonzaga what's my man's name i would just say oscar the uh player of the year boy. Uh, my man yeah from K kentucky and then and you mentioned uh the kansas state point guard marquise noel or yeah, noel right marquise noel mm -hmm. those three dudes were not drafted what are your immediate thoughts of them not being drafted I mean, one thing that you got to be able to make room for in this league, at least I like to think, is winning. And that's something I can at least say about, you know, not only all of those guys that mm -hmm. contributed to their programs, um, but, you know, Oscar Shibwe is just a straight workhorse as well. You know, he's going to do all the little things and he's going to be physical. I think he's still a bit raw um, in terms of, you know, his offensive side. Defensive side is pretty good. He's going to have some block shots among some other things. And he's physical and he's athletic. There's some spots for that um, on the next level. But in terms of his skill set, is not something that he necessarily really has. Mm -hmm. uh, I think that he excelled on the collegiate level because he's bigger and strong. Maybe not bigger in terms of height, but just um, bigger in terms of just mass and size than so many other guys. And he's not playing against small fries by any means. I mean, he's definitely outworking other guys. Mm -hmm. I think that's what we've seen also out of Drew Timmy, who is 
footwork is crazy. Soft hands, good footwork, and um, you know, willing to outwork you. Mm-hmm. Can't shoot a you know can't can't shoot a jump shot. I mean, can't throw a rock in the in in the ocean from the boat. Um, <laughs> but you know, he's he's. I mean, it, it does give you that vibe and that feel of Tyler Hansbrough again mm. at this level, um, where you lack the athleticism. And some of those guys are going to be just perfectly fine. Everybody, I mean, Jakob Pertl isn't the most athletically gifted guy or anything like that. Sometimes it is situations. If we seen mm. Drew Timmy in a San Antonio Spurs uniform and it actually ended up working out, would anybody be surprised? Probably not. Um, another one of those guys we just seen recently within the last couple of years, probably that remind me quite a bit of Drew Timmy was um, uh, like Luca Garza you know mm. and just guys like that, that just probably can't even jump over the phone. that mean, you are recording this on, uh, <laughs> but, but still got a high IQ. And if that ball is going out, you know, bouncing out of bounds, the average guy is just probably not going to put forth 110% effort to run and go get it and save it. But this guy will. Right. And those are the little things and mentalities that you have to have when you're talking about landing a job at the next level. Because you know, like we said, this is a business. This is not 2K. Mm-hmm. This is this is a this is a different level. People, guys are feeding their families off of this. You know, mm-hmm. guys got mortgages to pay, huh. light, expensive lifestyles to yes. live up to. Mm-hmm. Um, so you know, all those things make a difference. It's good to see that Drew Timmy is going to get a shot somewhere. What it will result to, I don't know. I got a good mm-hmm. feeling, but mm-hmm. I don't know. I'm going to give him the benefit of the doubt. And um, if not nothing else, one thing about him, man, is he's a winner. And there's not a lot of guys that's chased down as many rebounds on the collegiate level as he has, especially yes. for a guy his size. He doesn't have the Oscar Sheebway size. And then Marquise Noel is just a wizard. I mean, he's just, you're talking about heart. I mean, at the end of the day, it's not about, you know, size, right? Mm-hmm. It's, it's about, you know, the height. It's, it's, it's about the heart. It's not about the height. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, obviously, he's, 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 a, he's a little erratic sometimes. Sometimes mm-hmm. he gets, appears a little bit out of control sometimes. Mm-hmm. That reminds me occasionally of those, uh, those little things at the car wash that be going off outside the car wash sometimes. Sometimes bro be kind of you know what I'm saying erratic like that. But mm-hmm. but it works, it works well for him. He finds a you know, he he, he finds a way. He's curious to know if he's Damon Stoudemire or mm. or, or or if um you know or or, or I mean or Damon Stoudemire, Dana Barrow, some of those type of guys, mm. or if he's Tyler Ulis. I don't know. Mm. Um, mm. But one thing he has is this right here. Yeah. Um, and as long as you got that, that can take you as far as you need to go. So there are going to be some liabilities on defense. That's just what it is. Mm-hmm. Um, but the beautiful thing in the, on the positive side and optimistically for him is that in this league, you know, there's mm. so many different guys that can come in here and be and, and, and benefit based off of no matter what size you are you know right when we were growing up it was like six two six three guard if you ain't at least that it ain't gonna work mm-hmm. unless you're very special like a spud or earl boykins or mugsy mm-hmm. or something like that very mm-hmm. rare exceptions mm-hmm. this league you can be you can have the body type of a chet holmgren and kevin durant or you can have the body type of a zion williamson and and and, and boban Marjanovic. you know mm-hmm. what i'm saying like you can be the tallest guy. You can be Bobo. You can be, you know, whoever you want to be. You can be the, all the way down to the smallest guy on the floor. So, mm-hmm. um, 
I hope that it goes well for all of these guys because they all had a major impact on the collegiate level during their time. Now, that's a fact, man. And when I read those three, and, and thanks for that, man, you just dropped some, some knowledge right there. When I saw those three players, the first thing I thought about, and you alluded to this earlier in the show about the whole youth movement and the direction that the, the league is heading, man. I said, if I'm not mistaken, I feel like, well, I believe that Drew, Timmy, Oscar, and Marquise, weren't they all seniors or at least juniors coming out of college? Like at least three-year player? Yeah. So yeah, I feel like, classroom, yeah. yeah, that's like an impediment or – you know, something that's looked bad upon, you know, the older you are in college, like the lower you are in your draft prospects and status, man. It's like just totally going against the grain. You talked about back in our day, you know, you had uh, accomplished players like a Grant Hill played four years, you know, uh, even Shaq played three years when he came out. You, you know what I mean? But I feel like the older you are, regardless of your collegiate stats, man, if you're like older than a sophomore, you're going to you're going to suffer in the draft. That's how it appears to me. Yeah. It's like, what's wrong with him? There got to be a red flag attached <laughs> right. if he can't come out and be one and done. So exactly. All right, man. So you know, you from uh, you from Michigan, the murder mitten. I'm from Michigan too. You know, we love the Detroit Pistons. You know, I got to ask you about our pick. How do you say his name? Osar Osar Thomas. Uh, wait, wait, what's his name, man? Thompson. Yeah. Yeah, Osar Thompson, man. What do you feel, man? What's going on with him? I don't know how to feel yet, but I don't get a good feeling. Uh, this is being straight, being straight about it. You know, this is, a, this is, and I mean, that's got to be expected for guys who took the route that he took. I mean, mm -hmm. you see the first four or five picks, uh, everybody got to that point and by a different way, some by international, the number one pick, some by the collegiate mm -hmm. level, the number two pick, you know, mm -hmm. some by the G League, the number three picks, some by a new startup program in OTE with the fourth and fifth pick. All right. Um, so, you know, with that is going to be some question marks. Mm -hmm. Who were you playing? Mm -hmm. You know, how well did you, you know, obviously played well. And I know that Kevin Ali, you know, who's running things over there at OTE, um, had some really good things to say about, you know, the Thompson twins. That's expected, especially being a representative and ambassador mm -hmm. of OTE. Mm -hmm. um, but I see a lot of athleticism. You know, they, they see you'll, you'll be really hard pressed to find uh, an athlete like either one of these guys, um, you know, bro, his brother Amin is more along the lines of a point guard or, or primary ball handler, if you okay. will. Mm -hmm. Asar is more of a, you know, a, a classic wing um, who I think can defend, um, who, who um, you know, is, a, is an athlete, definitely needs some work on the jump shot. But again, I mean, we can, talk all day about guys needing assistance on the jump shot, but there's just not a lot of guys who I think are NBA ready to take shots, let alone under pressure on the biggest stage mm -hmm. um, that this game has to offer. So, um, but the ideal size and measurements and wingspan and all these other things, I think he definitely fits the bill and keeping fingers, toes, eyes, T's and everything else crossed, um, you know, that, that, you know, he's he's going to be able to bring some contribution to a Detroit team who desperately needs somebody on the ball that can, you know, get some stops and stay in front of some guys. And, I mean, Detroit is just one of those teams right now that's just, you know, you had a, um, you know, you had Ivy who, you know, is certainly not a point guard, um, you know, maybe not the ideal shooting guard, but 
Cade didn't play all year long. I love the Isaiah Stewart and pairing that with Jamin Duran, who I think is, you know, right there to be one of, you know, the better front court players. But in, in, in this particular market of which we are, you know, talking about in Detroit, the thing that I am happy to see is that they're embracing the culture, the old Detroit culture. Then I went in a ton of games. I think they were what last in the NBA this year in terms of um, record or whatever, what have you, but they fought and they did everything that they could to compete. There were some times when I was like, oh yeah, let me put my, you know, let me put my ticket in real quick and go against Detroit, you know, <laughs> and Detroit proved me wrong. They came away with some wins against some teams, you know, this year. I mean, they'll do that from time to time. Mm -hmm. They'll be the Golden State. Mm -hmm. Golden State just sitting back saying we ain't going to play guys. Like, mm -hmm. unless you're telling me that guys are going out there and losing on purpose, then we have mm -hmm. a totally different conversation. But Detroit was competitive. Mm -hmm. um, and they were also showing that they were not competitive as well. Um, so I just think that it's going to take some time. Some people ask how long before you think that we could realistically have conversations about them contending in the playoffs, not contending for a championship, but just mm -hmm. contending for them making multiple playoff appearances consecutively. Um, I think that's anywhere between two to five years. Okay. Um, so it's going to take some time for them. That's for sure. Um, we're going to in between now and then we're going to see a lot of, consistently inconsistent mm -hmm. um you know but we we are gonna see some some moments where it's like if they can just do this every night or you know one thing you, you know I, I i'm you know we, we've gotten to a point where so much this year you see this detroit team and you're automatically quick to go against them i think we're slowly going to start chilling in the direction of being like you know what everybody's going against them but I think I see something in their competitive nature a little bit different. Don't ask me why, but I'm going to pick Detroit on this one. And everybody's going to be surprised to see, like, what did you see in that Pistons team that made you pick them in this game? Mm -hmm. um, you kind of got to have an eye for something like that. I don't know how many times we're going to see that this year, but I think mm -hmm. we're going to see it more and more over the course of the next few calendars. I'm right there with you, man. You dropped a lot of information right there. I do agree agree with you. I saw a lot of Pistons games last year. They were highly competitive. They definitely got up for the big games. I do remember the game in which you mentioned the Golden State game, at least in Golden State. I believe they beat the Warriors. Uh, I'm so glad you broke uh, down the difference between the twin brothers, man. I did not know that, you know, the guy, the brother who was picked before us, the Pistons, is like a primary ball handler. And then uh, Asar is the like the finisher three and D uh, D kind of guy, which is great. I'm glad you broke that down because I feel like that's what Detroit needs. We don't need another ball handler. You already mentioned Jaden Ivey. You mentioned Kay Cunningham. They're going to be your primary ball handlers. We need somebody like you said to stay in front of a a player, not get left behind defensively, finish on the break, man, and just bring that energy and that athleticism. I like that. In regards to your point about the culture change, you're right about that, man. We are getting back to the old bad boys and old Fort Pistons days, man. And I think the catalyst, the nucleus of that is going to be Monty Williams. I'm so in love with that pickup as a coach, man. Monty has showed me in New Orleans or Charlotte and Phoenix, man, what he did in the bubble. And then the, the next year in the regular season, taking those Phoenix Suns to the finals, he can change the culture. Now, 
how long his voice can be fresh because it tends to fade out like after three years, you know, you get kind of tired of it. And then, you know, his team's kind of quit on him, kind of like Nate McMillan. You bring in Nate McMillan, he's going to do a quick turnaround after like a year and a half, two years. That kind of like his messages falls on deaf out. ears. Yeah. It fizzles out. It falls on deaf ears, man. So um, if Monty can get this uh, program turned around, man, I'm definitely with you, man. I feel like we can win between 35, 37, 42 games this year and compete for that AC and, and possibly play in. I'm just glad, man. I'm just glad that the way you broke down the, the twins, I feel like, okay, Houston got the, the better sister to use like a, a color purple uh, analogy. They got Nettie and we got Seeley. We got ugly Seeley, bro. But based on what you just said, we didn't get ugly Seeley. We got a cute sister, man. So that's all I can ask for. All right, man. I, say, think, I, I, I was going to say in mm-hmm. this last piece, I think the key next for the Pistons is going to be, um, you know, I've ragged on Killian Hayes long enough. <laughs> it's good to see him kind of turn the corner a little bit this past yeah. year. How mm-hmm. many of that had anything to do with Kate Cunningham not playing and, mm-hmm. and Ivy, uh, you know, just trying to do anything and everything you can to make sure you didn't get your spot taken by him. Um, but the, 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 the other element is ultimately just going to be the health status and, development of guys like you know marvin bagley and uh and james wiseman so i think that's what's next on the you know Mm -hmm. on on the on the pistons Mm -hmm. you know um to do list yeah no i feel like you know a lot of teams in the past uh had twin towers like the houston rockets with your kelvin samson's not kings and your twin towers in san antonio David Robinson, Tim Duncan. I feel like we got a three-headed monster in Detroit. Like you said, Marvin Bagley coming off the bench. I love Duran. He's a rebounding machine, gets blocks, man. He's he's like a taller Ben Wallace to me. You know what I'm saying? Ben Wallace puts like 45 yes. inches. And then I'm not totally, you know, done with James Wiseman. I feel like he still – he just needs a place where you can, like, nurture him and develop him and have patience. I feel like Golden State put too much pressure on him. And that just wasn't a good fit, man. I think he can, like, take some time and learn. Just go through, like, the growing pains, actually getting some playing time and learning out there on the court. And I've got faith in him and James Wiseman. But speaking of big man, and that was a great point about Killian Hayes because I was this close from, like, giving up on him, man. So uh, I am that close to giving up. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Now, the number one pick, man, as we uh, end this uh, segment or the end the show, man, with this last segment, how much faith do you have in Victor Wimbyana? Or Wimbyana? Um, I, I think I'm somewhere anywhere between about 60 to 70%. Mm. And honestly, that's kind of dropped from one point of where I was. Um, just because, you know, it is very important. You know, everybody's nobody's really concerned about his skill set and measurements. I mean, he's doing things that we've never seen before. And I know that there's a lot of, you know, people that have talked about um, him being, uh, you know, the biggest prospect since LeBron James. I think we tend to forget how much we were in love with Zion sometimes when he was coming out, but nonetheless, hmm. um, that's neither here nor there. But a fact. I, think a fact. He's just, I mean, he's in a, in a perfect situation. He's in the perfect market in San Antonio. You know, my own reasons behind why I feel like the lotto was be kind of rigged sometimes, which I know is a different talk talking point. But I, I can't hear what you nice say. We, I can't hear what you I say. Can, it, it, okay. It'll be nice if we could see the ping pong balls drop the way that they used to. 
uh, instead of just, hey, we already know with the, you know, the golden envelope and all that type of stuff. But um, that being a whole different conversation, I will say enough to say that um, it's hard to go against, you know, the size and the skill set and him doing things that we've never seen before, much like what we saw to Zion Williamson, just two totally different, um, you know, skill sets. Um, and sizes amongst other things. But, um, I mean, anytime a guy can, you know, come down and shoot a three off a one leg floater three and miss it and get his own rebound and dunk it without the ball hitting the ground. I mean, that there's something to say about that, but can I sit here and, and, and uh, on your program where I know people don't do nothing but speak facts. Mm. look at you and tell you that I know for a fact that he's not Ralph Sampson. I can't do that. Mm-hmm. I don't know. That's why I felt like, um, you know, somebody like a Scooter Henderson was, has the, has the, the lowest bus potential of anybody mm-hmm. in this draft. Mm-hmm. Um, but what, you know, what Wimby has the opportunity to do, especially playing for a coaching and a system and a scheme and in a, you know, market of which he does that's perfect for him and his personality and his growth and his development and getting the opportunity to load manage and other things like that. I think it's it's, it's going to be beneficial. And I think that stuff like this is good for the league. So mm. the ultimate, you know, elephant in the room question is when, you know, uh, about staying healthy. We just, I mean, he just really made Chet Holmgren look like an afterthought at this point. Um as soon as his name was mentioned and people, you know, even start having conversations about him, which that's an interesting matchup within itself. It should be anyways. And if I'm Chet, I got all kind of, you know, chip on my shoulder for these things, exact reasons too. But, um, you know, the, the question is always going to be about the foot problems, the ankle problems, the, you know, the weight problems, not the same kind of weight problems as Zion, but the other weight problems of not having enough. The the good thing about him is that he's just so long and lanky to a point where, yeah, you may knock him off his space. You may knock him off the block or hesitate, you know, pump fake and get him up in the air and try and get him to draw a foul. But he's just so long that you might knock him off his block and his wingspan is still so long, he still might be able to catch your block. Mm-hmm. Um, that's just, you know, from a defensive standpoint and the way he handles the ball and um, I think that stuff is great, but ultimately, I think just much like Porzingis and Yao and, you know, some of these other guys, you ultimately won't find out exactly who this guy is until after he returns from an injury. But I think you got your, I think you, you know, you want to see, um, you know, before summer league and before the NBA season starts, you had an opportunity to see what, uh, when Victor Wimbenyama, if you haven't seen him, you have a chance to see what his skill set looks like already. And that mm-hmm. guy wears number 10 in Orlando, and his name is Bo Bo, and it's very similar. So um, those are just kind of my initial thoughts on Victor Wimbenyama until we got a chance to lay eyes on him. And don't kill the kid if he doesn't do all the things that you thought. I mean, that's all it's going to be for guys like him. And he, I mean, it's not his fault. He grew seven foot three and a half inches tall Mm -hmm. you know for guys like him and Bronny and some of these other guys you're gonna have your chance to see them for the very first time in games that don't matter won't count exhibition pickup summer league pro-am 
and you're going to kill the kid if he doesn't go out there and have 100 points on his first night out. And I don't think that that's right. So let's just keep those things in perspective. So that's a fact, man. So what do you consider a good year for or a successful year for Wimby individually? You know what I mean? Yeah, you know, playoff success or if they improve like 10, 15 wins, that would be great, man. But specifically for him, like what's a good year for him? Healthy. For Wimby. Okay. Like what, 60 games, Healthy. 65 games? Um, because I think in order in to qualify, in this year, in a, yeah, in an 82 game season, mm-hmm. I think that Wimby, I think, I think 65 games exactly. Um, to win the every rookie bit of year. Six, mm-hmm. every bit of 60 for sure, and that's not even putting labels and titles and awards and anything else on him. I'm just saying, like, that's what I need to see from him. Okay. Um, to be able to solidify anything because at the end of the day, it's not about what he's going to, I mean, points he's going to average and this and that. I mean, it's first year. I remember all of our first day on our job, you know, nobody mm-hmm. came in and killed it right mm-hmm. off the rip. Some, sometimes not even in your first year, sometimes you're going to get that first one out the way mm-hmm. um, to really, you know, develop, and establish, you know, exactly who you are going to be in this league. And I think that's something that's going to take time. He's not different. He's not a robot. You know, Mm -hmm. he's human, breathing in the same oxygen we breathe in every day. So I think the main thing is just being fair to him. But uh, I just want to see a healthy guy because the last thing I want, if things do or don't work out, Mm -hmm. is people going and blaming, you know, injuries or something else. That's a fact, man. And I hope he does play at least 65 games because under the new CBA, I think in order to qualify or win the rookie of the year, a rookie or a player has to play at least 65 games, man. You just drop so much information, man. Like, I agree with you. I think San Antonio was a great landing spot for Wimby with Coach Pop, man. He has that experience with international players, foreign players, specifically French players and Tony Parker and Boris Diaw. Pop has that that credibility and that experience with two number one picks, uh, big man and David Robinson and Tim Duncan, even though their games are different, he does have that experience. It has that credibility. I'm sure you saw that picture of the old school Spurs. They took, they cuffed him up early, man. As soon as he got drafted, they took him to dinner. They schooled him. They talked to him, man. So they're off to a great start. And I'm mad because at least five times during this interview or this uh, podcast, you done, said something i was going to say so i had to like scramble and you know just saying like change up my answer my question but i definitely agree with the bowl bowl comparison i mean <clears throat> pardon me everybody's going crazy about Wimby, but i feel like bowl bowl possesses the same skill set you know what i'm saying seven three seven four got a three ball can cross you got a little handle can shoot defend and everything i think bobo's uh his uh impediment to like you know succeeding in the league is the injury like you said and like being in, in Denver's uh, a doghouse for a little while. But, and you're right too, man. People forget that Zion was a crazy name. People were clamoring over Zion, the Zion sweepstakes. They were tanking for him. Um, I'm just thinking about in my lifetime, like these are like the players that have so much hoopla. We weren't alive, or I was, you weren't, you're a young dog, but Magic had a lot of hoopla coming out. Uh, LeBron, obviously, Zion. KG because he was like the first client of high school, not to this limit, but you know, up there, uh, Wemby and people forget about Shaq. People was going crazy for Shaq too. When he came out expecting, you know, the whole world and he delivered. And to your point though, man, you got to have humble expectations. Everybody's not going to come in 
and take the league by storm. Yeah, Carmelo averaged 21. His rookie year, LeBron, 20.9. Mike came in, averaged like 29 a game as a rookie. Shaq did 23. I know Shaq did 23 and 12. So I think we need to temper our expectations. But for me, I I do feel like Wimby needs to play at least 65 games. And I feel like he can do like 17. I see him doing like 17.8 points a game, seven rebounds and five assists. So I see him doing like 17, seven to five this year. I think that's reasonable this year. I agree. Yeah, but like we both said earlier in the show, we uh we got Chet Holmgren as the front runner, a front runner to win rookie of the year, correct? I don't know if I'm gonna go and be in the front runner. I mean, okay. I'll be honest with you. I don't know where this is gonna go and how much <laughs> of this will you know that the awards are based off of how well the play, you know, that the mm-hmm. teams do and all that kind of stuff. But yeah. Um, I don't know that I'm gonna go with Chet. Mm-hmm. I'm not even sure that I'm gonna go with Wimby as much as I think the league want to see it happen. I might roll with Scooter. So I was going. I love Scoot, bro. And listen, his game is so enormous. He's the kind of player that plays bigger than his actual size. Like Donovan Mitchell, I think they list him at six one. But when he be out there booming on folks, you think he like six four, six five? You know what I'm saying? Yeah, Donovan Mitchell six one, bro. Believe it or not, my height booming on folks. Uh. And my comp for uh, Scoot Henderson, I seen a lot of Ant-Man in him, like Anthony Edwards. But Anthony Edwards is like 6'4", six, 6'5". Six, I looked at the uh, the press sheet. I think Scoot is listed at 6'2", bro. I couldn't believe it. Like, he's smaller than I thought yeah. he was. I think Donovan Mitchell is a good comparison for Scoot. Mm-hmm. Um, I think he can pass mm-hmm. it better than Mitchell can. Mm-hmm. Um, not that Mitchell is a bad passer. Mm-hmm. But I think that Scoot has a little bit, a, a smidgen more natural passing ability than, than okay. Donovan Mitchell does. But both of them explosive players at the rim. Right. And uh, both of them high level, you know, athletes and and, and competitors. Mm-hmm. That's a fact. Hey, well, DT, I want to thank you so much, man, for dropping by. We got to do this again, man. A long time happening. You scooted it so much, dropped so much information for us to go home, take home, and process chew on and digest man very insightful enlightening expertise as usual that's why i had you on here we're gonna have you back man to follow up with the the, the free agency and check on us for, like during the summer league please and thank you man no doubt looking forward to doing it on the next one man whenever you need me just let me yes, know sir before you out any shout outs no nah, man listen i mean to to, to my dude dice man putting it together oh, man. inviting me out man and doing <laughs> your thing dude i'm proud of you boy i'm really yes, happy man. for you man and just and just hustling and just grinding man just keep at it and um that within itself man is, is putting a smile on my face if i get wow. you know if i if i get the i can get the message or the call from it doesn't matter serious or fox or whoever this or that you know and i might give second thoughts to it but mm. if dicey world need me i'm gonna be right <laughs> showing up every time my man i like that i appreciate that all right man until next time i appreciate you detate all right that's my man detate everybody ladies and gentlemen wow so much to chew on like i just said detate now you can see why he's the expert why he why he's the man and, and such a demand during college basketball, he's the expert. Everybody's just hitting his lineup. You know, nobody in America knows college basketball like my man Deshaun takes. So I want to thank him once again for dropping by and blessing us on Dicey World. All right, everybody. Well, 
this was a great episode thanks for tuning in i hope you learned a lot uh my information as usual check me out dicey world uh you know twitter d-i-c-e-y-w-0-r-l-d instagram d-i-c-e-y-w-0-r-l-d.c-0-m and remember boys and girls anything can happen in dicey world till next time i'm out peace